0: You're listening to the Young Opportunist Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We just wanted to make a short episode off the back of our interview with Ravi Sharma. This was episode six, which concentrated on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We basically want to provide you with some simple definitions of the words we used in this interview, especially ones that you may have never heard of before. Yeah,
1: I think we got a little bit carried away with the amount of economic jargon and like (laughs) cryptocurrency jargon that we
0: used throughout the episode. Um, So, yeah, this episode will hopefully be a little bit helpful. 100%. And we just want to make this one short and sharp um, and not make these definitions long-winded.
1: And if you want to learn a little bit more about some of the concepts we discussed, we highly encourage you to do some research. Let's kick it off with the definition of macroeconomic.
0: Yeah. So, basically, macroeconomics is the big picture of economics. This basically looks at how a whole economy works and or like a whole market, I guess. So, you hear things like GDP, interest rates, inflation. And um, you may have heard in the episode us talk about like Ravi's macroeconomic view on the future of the market or um, what cryptocurrency... Like, what the effect of cryptocurrency can have on a macroeconomic standpoint.
1: And that basically means the effect on either the entire world or like an entire country as a whole.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, to go on to the next one, Ben, what is fiat currency? So, when we were quickly drafting up notes for this episode, we got a little bit of character,
1: we got a little bit carried away with the history of money because it's just like, <laughs> it's so complex and so long. So, we decided we might actually do a whole nother episode focusing
0: on the history of money and how we got to like the dollar where we are today. Because it's like quite interesting and I don't know, maybe we just find it interesting but we're not nerds. (laughs) We weren't taught this before and I think it was on a podcast that we listened to which um, like made us apparent to actually what happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you guys a little bit of a brief um, overview of the Um, the history of money in a second. But basically, fiat money is a government-issued currency that isn't backed by a commodity such as gold or backed by anything of that matter. Mm -hmm. So basically, the Australian dollar is a fiat fiat currency, the US dollar, and a lot of other dollars. Well, every dollar Mm -hmm. around the world is actually a fiat, uh, is in the fiat money system. So basically, a little bit of a history. So in 1933, we were actually pegged to gold, which basically meant that Americans could trade $20 for an ounce of gold directly from any bank. After a bunch of massive um, bank failures across the US, Americans just started hoarding gold and demanding it back from the banks. That plus a lot of other things that happened throughout the um, the 1990s basically means that America took themselves off the gold standard and that's where we are today with our fiat money supply.
0: Yeah. Why is it so bad is because the power is in the government's hands and that's why what's going on now with the pandemic you know they're handing out stimulus packages but we actually don't have the power to transfer our fiat or like our yep. cash in our hand in exchange for gold i guess
1: or a fixed
0: or a fixed dollar amount yeah exactly so there's like there's not a fixed supply yeah i guess yep. in the system And
1: that kind of goes on to what quantitative easing is. Reese. do you want to give us a quick definition?
0: Yeah. So, basically, this is just the introduction of new money into the money supply by a central bank. So, when there are major market failures like the pandemic, central banks can basically start introducing new money into the current supply, which as a result devalues the current supply. This is why in the interview with Ravi, he mentioned that it is bad to keep your money in a savings account. What he's referring to is that it's basically depreciating as time goes by. Yeah. The the money that was worth, say, $100 now is going to be worth in real terms like $90 yeah. in two years or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's just a short example of it. So, on to the next one, liquid asset. Ravi made reference to this
1: when he referred to collectibles and mm-hmm. how that was, that was liquid. So, basically, this means that you can quickly convert or sell the asset into cash. Um, so, that's- stocks are also a, an example of this yeah. Um, and yeah basically it means that you can convert your asset into cash really quickly
0: and the opposite of that is what non-liquid or illiquid asset and that's just th- it takes a lot of time to convert the asset into cash so examples would be like a house there's there's lots of you know barriers into quickly selling that i guess yeah into cash the next one is capital yeah so this one gets a bit tricky i guess in finance The definition basically just means cash. Like when you're in terms of investing and stuff, it basically just means money. Where in like economics, there is a few different definitions, but it basically means an asset. How a business can utilize capital to make revenue or income for it. Yeah. Does that make it more confusing? (laughs) Let's just just say in finance, basically, it means cash. It means cash. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, can you explain to us, this is a big one in the crypto world, blockchain.
1: Yeah, so I hope you guys aren't expecting an awesome definition because it's pretty hard to comprehend and I don't blame you if you don't because I don't think I fully um, fully understand it. <laughs> yeah. um, you may have heard the phrase blockchain in relation to like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And basically, blockchain is the technology that underlies cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. So I want to put it into perspective. So basically, you know how we have Google and the internet? Mm-hmm. And when I go on Google... I'm just going to, let's say I just look, I want to look up like where a country is or something like that. Mm. I'm not worried about what's happening in the back end. Once I hit search, a bunch of other things pop up like search options and I click on, and I go on with my day. I'm not worried about what's happening in the background of Google. And basically that's what blockchain is in the crypto world. It's just the underlying technology. And one day we'll all be using it. Well, potentially we'll all be using it and we won't even be worried about what the definition of the
0: technology is or how it works. Yeah, just like how the internet works now. Like we don't even understand that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not even essential to know. Like no. we leave that up to the computer engineers or like yeah. something like that. So let's try and make this as simple as possible. If I want to send you a digital picture of a dog and you receive this picture, basically once you've received it, you can copy and paste the same image and send it to a thousand other people hmm. and like duplicate it across to all your friends and stuff like that. If the dog's cute enough, I guess.
0: <laughs> we actually talking about a doggy? <laughs>
1: Now, if I was to send you that same image over the blockchain, you're, on, you're the only person in the entire world that has that image or has access to the image. Not even I have a copy of it. So, it completely leaves from my like wallet and goes straight to your wallet. And then if you decide um, you want to send it to somebody else, yeah, just like I said, you can then send it to somebody else. You, know, you no longer have a copy. I no longer have a copy. It can't be duplicated.
0: So, meaning only one person has
1: proper like ownership of it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a crazy concept because especially in our day and age, we've grown up in the world of like the internet where everything can be copied, like snipped, Mm. screenshotted and all these things. So, the idea of scarcity is kind of hard to comprehend, especially like even as we described, our whole monetary system isn't even scarce. Like nothing in this world is scarce for us. So, this is why, yeah, it can be a little bit hard to grasp this concept. Now, when we start there, it makes it a little bit easier to understand how you can send a digital scarce item to another person. And let's call that digital scarce item a Bitcoin. So, let's say I have three Bitcoin. I want to send you a Bitcoin and then I want to send my mom two Bitcoins. So, I've sent you one um, and then I've sent my mom two. I now have zero Bitcoins left. And basically, that's kind of how it works. And that's where the scarcity side comes with it. And it also is 100% secure as well. Yeah. I hope that kind of helped.
0: Yeah. Like that was just touching on it. And like if you do want to learn more about it, Honestly, go and research more into it because, like, I don't even I don't fully understand it. Reese, do you want to dive into what Bitcoin mining is? Listening to the episode, it might have been very confusing when Ravi brought up the concept of mining Bitcoin. Um, but literally, just relate this to actually mining gold, like in real life with pickaxes and heavy machinery. As hard as it is to comprehend, this is actually like what happens. Yeah, there are actual Bitcoin miners and mining companies that have like super powered computers and they are trying to complete an algorithm. Basically, this is proof of work, which basically states that it actually takes work and costs money to Mm. actually mine Bitcoin. Just like how it costs money to actually mine gold. Yeah. So, they're actually using time and energy and the energy is used to operate these like big computers. Yeah. As confusing as it sounds. And instead of the reward being gold, they're rewarded in Bitcoin. Exactly. So, if they are successful at... Solving this algorithm, they're rewarded with Bitcoin. Yeah. Which goes on to the next one Bitcoin halving. Could you go into that one? So, as Reese mentioned, there is a cost in energy
1: to mine Bitcoin. So, let's call this input. For this input, they are rewarded with an output, which is Bitcoin, as Reese just mentioned. So, what this means is that every four years, for the same amount of input or the same amount of energy, they're rewarded with half the amount of output, which is bitcoin Mm -hmm. and basically the reason why this drives the market and the cycles because they get half the amount of reward the miners aren't willing to sell their bitcoin for less than the the cost of the energy it takes to solve the algorithm yeah otherwise they'll be like making it at a loss making it a loss exactly and that's why the bitcoin price goes up traditionally after the halving because they get half the amount of reward for the same amount of energy so they're obviously going to hold on to the bitcoin until the bitcoin's at a high enough price for them to sell Mm -hmm. so hopefully that makes sense no it does and yeah i think that's it
0: yeah 100 percent. i think we did cover a few there if we missed any and you're still unsure just give us a message we're not experts at this of course but um we just wanted to provide like simple definitions on them to kind of get your head around it so thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next time